Welcome back to the second part of this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast, brought to you by myself, James Bolatilo, and the team at The Learning Effect. In the second part of our conversation with Nick Court from the People Experience Hub, we pick up on the question of what does the data really tell us about what our people think about learning and development in our organisations? We obviously have access to lots of data people have around learning. So we hear all of this rhetoric in the learning space about, you know, what the greatest thought leaders think you should be doing. And, you know, my cynical side said there also then three weeks data partner with a tech provider who happens to miraculously solve that problem. But, you know, looking from your perspective, what are you seeing as as some of those things people are, you know, feeding back on in learning or the trends in learning and development? You know, what's what's that slightly impartial view on this? So I guess, if, yeah, so if I look at the data, um, I've got it in front of me. So learning and development is a broad concept here. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. growth, we'll talk about opportunities. So um, we are only only half of people we surveyed said that they'd actually received training to ensure they were really competent in their role. Yeah. And if we think about autonomy, mastery being a key human need, an enabler of employee engagement to motivate people, I, I want to be the best that I can be at the job that I do then I need to be competent and I need to receive training to ensure that I'm competent. Only 51% of people actually said that they have that that competency level training in the job that they're doing or enough of it. Um, Only 43% of people said that their manager actually took time out to talk to them about their progress, their opportunities, what they wanted to do. So that personalization piece that says, the individual feels personalized to, is that right? Is that how you'd say, I don't know how you'd say that personalized too that's how we're going to go with it um you know yeah you could probably put some tech in that says tell me what you want but people want to tell somebody what they need um less than a third said that someone at work actually encouraged them to develop so only only 30 percent said that that there was somebody who's encouraging me to do more to be better to learn and develop um, and in terms of the, the, the people that said managers didn't take time to talk about their growth, it, it, it's an employee problem. 61% of employees said that. It was 50% of managers that said that. 61% of employees said that their manager didn't take the time out. Now, does that play into, um, in, into what we were talking before about that personalization and are managers specialists or generalists? So how can you help them do that? You know, maybe a manager is feeling less comfortable. They're the pinch point in the hourglass. But we do know from our data that growth, learning, development is a motivator. So if you want motivated employees that are going to come to work with high energy and are going to be driven to deliver the results, then where we saw low scoring growth, learning, development, where we score high, high scoring advocacy of your company, a 30 percentage point drop where somebody said they had low growth, low learning and development opportunities versus organizations where they said, hi, that's huge. 30% less people would advocate your company or your organization, your brand. Yeah. Um, in terms of alignment, we saw a 20% drop, low to high. Um, autonomy, we talked about mastery and autonomy, we saw a 30% drop between low and high. And this stuff is huge, but probably the biggest one, belonging. So we talk about a sense of belonging in an organization. 35% percentage point drop between an organization 
that scores high, learning development and low. So does someone care about me when I when I come to my organisation? And if you think about investment in people, investment in growth, opportunity, learning. It's not just about becoming a manager. It's not just about promotion. It is about autonomy and mastery and knowing that you care about me, training me, giving me time, ask me what I need, delivering courses, whatever that looks like, that shows that you care. It's an active proposition that you have, not a passive one. I think that's some really, really interesting and powerful data there. And I could, you know, I could run in a, a million different directions with it. But, you know, you talked at, at points there around personalization, you know, about the role of the manager around what people expect back as well. And, you know, in the same way, you can put tech in that drives personalization based on what you say you want, what other people do, etc. But, you know, the, I think it's that back to that hybrid of you just don't want to feel like you're being processed by a robot. And the only thing that's driving that is this robotic thing that's producing another online course for you to do because maybe other people are looking at it. You want that person who's going to, or that feeling of someone taking an interest in you, of personalizing this down to you, of trying to help you achieve your objectives. And maybe there's an opportunity for the tech to help the managers better to do that and help build those understanding of roles and relationships. And that's maybe not the quickest, easiest one out of the box. That's maybe about thinking of all of the way that you approach learning, the whole way that fits into your business. So yeah, I think some massively powerful numbers coming out there and I know they're generalized with all these things, but I think as, as some key messages for people across learning, that's really important. And it's gotta be, I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be a mixture, hasn't it, as well? You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not a learning expert. And, but in my head, I kind of go, what, what would tech be amazing at? I guess compliance in an organisation. So if I need everyone to have the same experience, to have the same course, to really understand something, um, food safety, health and safety, manufacturing processing, um, risks, loan worker assessments, I need people to have the same experience every single time they complete this because I need to be sure that the training that's being delivered is being received in the same way. Tech, I guess tech could probably enable that. Tech could take something and take the tutor out of that or the learning deliverer out of that and say, you know, we're going to take away that learner being on a bad day. We're going to take away that learner forgetting something. Or the, or the learning delivery person forgetting something, we're going to make sure that it is deliverable. And it's kind of going, actually, that's just nuts and bolts of the business. But where we want people to um, personalise and have or a strategic approach to growth in our business, that, that has to have a human sitting behind it, thinking about it and thinking about different ways of delivering. The other thing about personalisation that I'm unsure about technology is, what, what if someone's dyslexic? What if somebody's blind? What if somebody's hard of hearing? What if somebody has any other type of disability? What if someone's uncomfortable with technology? I, I once rolled a um, time and attendance solution out many, many years ago. And I remember training an individual who'd never used a mouse before. And when I, when I said, you know, click the mouse, they, they, they clicked the mouse, they just tapped it. They tapped the mouse and they didn't know how to use a mouse. How, you know, how does tech overcome that? 
without a person to sit there and say, okay, there's a different learning need here. Mm. Let me adapt. Yeah, I'm, I remember back to one of my first roles in learning was training 3,000 people how to use a new till system when most of them had never used any technology before. And, you know, you'd had the one person who'd predominantly been responsible in certain departments. You know, you'd had people who'd been in the role 20, 30 years and, you know, this was this was back end of 90. So, you know, this was very early in tech and you literally had people who didn't have a clue. You had to completely change your language and you've got and you've still got that right across the piece. But that that it ultimately gets in the way of them doing anything before that, you know, because that fear and everything else takes over. But I think I'm picking back to some of those things you've talked about and, and what tech can do. Tech can actually help with all of those things if it's part of a, a well thought through system, if it's not just put in. So, you know, you talked about people not having, you know, the skills training or to do their role. Now that's fundamental and basic. But, you know, most organisations will probably provide, you know, the salespeople are the most important or the customer service people are the most numerous or whatever it happens to be. And therefore you get training targeted to those people. But what about for everyone else? What can we do to truly help those people? Because buying a LinkedIn learning library is not going to help that problem for most people, you know, and, but that's an easy solution. But it, it's actually more difficult to sometimes solve those things and in, involves engagement. And and you know creating purpose, creating that ability for someone to to learn in the way they need or have access to the support you need. Again, you talked about dyslexia and various other things, but to open up opportunities for people, and the tech shouldn't be the barrier. I think there's so many things we can do well, but tech is not sitting in isolation in any of those solutions. If it does, it's probably not going to work as well as you need it to because. We're humans interacting with tech. You know, tech can open up collaboration and sharing of best practice. But if if you don't reward that, if that isn't how your culture works, it's not going to work. You know, so there's so many things linked together and that might help you be better at your job. If you knew what the best people were doing, if you had access, if people were encouraged to share best practice, if your rewards were around team, got, you know, you can't just put it in in isolation and go, right, we're going to, share everything amongst the sales team, but we've got a competitive reward structure and, no, you know, there's no other systems around that. But I've seen all of those things happen because the tech can do it. But the tech doesn't do it if it doesn't fit into the system of work. Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, you're right to celebrate some of the stuff that tech does because it enriches, it enables, it enhances. And, you know, there's some stuff which it, it's faster, it's quicker, and you're absolutely right, it, it can level that playing field between uh, people of high wealth and people who are of moderate wealth. You know, the same tech, the same solutions being deployed to people, the same opportunities are now available, irrelevant of geography, irrelevant of, lo you know, location or ability in that location or whatever that looks like. Um, I also think that you know, particularly in learning, one of the things I'm seeing, and again, it might be a, a view that is um, limited because I'm not an expert, so I'm just seeing it in organisations where I've worked, particularly in something around, say, people analytics, which is a growing area, is gone are the cookie cutter approaches to HR analytics training. It's now 
actually what does this individual need what does um, this individual need it's gone are the days when you've got three hr analysts and all of them have to go on the same course well actually you may have a high flying hr analyst who's never going to be a, a manager who, who needs to be or wants to be the best technical expert they can so send them down the technical route learn from technical people about data and how data is stored about how to manipulate the data and how to get insights from that data you might have another hr analyst who's probably where they need to be to do their job but they they want to go down the managerial route they want to manage technical people so send them down a different training route not everyone has to achieve the same level in an organization it's, it is about understanding that personal approach and what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, taking that as a microcosm, you know, that's that's been one of the challenges for L&D for years is that, you know, the of, often the only way of developing was up. Therefore, you know, go on training, it's manager training or it's some um, health and safety training or it's where we've got budget for. But you then turning around and going that person's contribution, their belonging, everything else actually to to help that technical person develop is now achievable. You know, tech can help support that because, you know, you're looking down to an organization of 2000 people without tech. How do you how do you navigate that? How do you open up? How do you get to know those people? You know, it's an avenue to help do that. And you can do it through a people process and structure, but you're then reliant on every manager within that as well. And, you know, certainly when I've looked at talent in being in talent roles in big organizations before you are looking down into a muddy pool and you are reliant on the managers actually telling you who that is but the tech can open up that they can clarify the water it can help you see the blockages in that it can help you work out you know here's a little talent factory here here's a manager producing loads of people through into a technical route into a managerial route just you know people who are generally energized and then you find you know this one over here, we never see what's going on under there. Are there some great people under there? Are there not? You know, so there's lots of things tech can do to enable an organisation to to tackle lots of those challenges. But you can't. It's got to be collective. It can't be the one off the tech solution. But you know, there is some amazing tech out there, and there is some absolute pap as well. I've got. I've, I've probably got. I've got a question for you, actually. So, mm -hmm. so my, my, my broad statement is because and obviously as a provider of employee feedback, um, I would say this, which is, you know, having great employee feedback lets you explore that so you can see where somebody is less than less than satisfied, less than happy in their learning development journey, their growth opportunity. Um, is there a challenge for organizations where I as an individual can now access so many learning platforms outside of my organization, whether that is something like Udemy selling um, a 14 pound course on um, learning Python programming or, you know, or just YouTube and going out and learning how to do something myself because my my organization hasn't trained me. Is that going to is that going to produce a challenge to those cookie cutter organizations that are not thinking about personalization or not thinking about leveraging their L&D? I think it does. I think I think what's happened is learning was traditionally about content and control. So looking as to where it's going, content is now, you know, con there's so much content out there. And, you know, you've talked a lot in this about context and we talk a lot about context as well. So content, can, you know, generic content can help you in certain things. 
but contextual understanding and putting that into practice so you'll see a lot of people go out there and they'll find if that if their organization isn't doing something they'll get they can go on the udemy course a linkedin course they can get you know they can effectively get badge after badge and there's transferable badges you can now put all over your linkedin and whatever and you can be the most qualified person but it's opportunity and putting those things into practice as well that are key and what we're seeing at the in the best organizations is they're not just buying those off the shelves. You know, some of them are linking to lots of libraries because it opens up content, but they're actually thinking that learning is broader than that. Learning is an opportunity to work on a project. Learning is an opportunity to put something in practice, to take part in an event where you you challenge your thinking on how this could be, or you know, you put your creative thinking into place, or you know, you take those chat again, it's 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 old school stuff, but you know, you take that champion role, you take something else because those opportunities to put your skills in practice are are absolutely key. But yeah, I'm you know, there's there is the control of content, there is so much out there. But again, there's good, bad and indifferent within that. And and unfortunately a lot of people spend a lot of time chasing content when actually if they spent more time opening up opportunity conversation those things that an organization can do and for people who are developing themselves i would say again spend as much time on relationships and understanding and understanding different contexts and challenging your skills and and networking as you do on those more formal bite-sized bits of courses that you can do because you know, in my honest view, and I've said this time and time again, I think courses kill your, you know, courses and content kill your learning strategy or kill your organisational learning strategy because you're trying to go back to that, put it in a structure. I have to get something and tell you what you need to learn. And yeah, for certain things, that's clearly the case. If I need to follow a process or I'm new to a subject, I want to follow a pathway. I want someone to guide me. But the more I start to develop my understanding and skill, open up opportunities, open up conversations, empower me, empower others around me to to help me. And that's where that to me where personalization comes from. It doesn't come from an algorithm or a bit of machine learning or certainly not at the moment. Some of those are very rudimentary. The dream sounds great, but the reality is we're still a human connected, you know, organization world and some some learning platforms do connection great they really help people understand but again if those people aren't willing to give or if that one person in the organization now has 100 people asking them a question about this you know it it is it, thinking through how that works in practice and, and, and i mean it's interesting i'm fascinated by some of this stuff and you know i, I think about one of our well-being stats which is 20% of people say that they don't have the time to deliver the work that they have to do in the time given to them and that's that's the aggregated 20% of managers line managers 35% said that they don't have the time to deliver the work that they have to do in the time given to them and my immediate thing when we think about learning is I'm going well how does that person give time to development their own personal development they're learning they're supporting other people to develop so if we're talking about a nice network of people supporting people, understanding context, understanding needs, if we're filling people's time up with work, work and more work. And then they maybe that's we should expect 51% of people said that they haven't received all that training, 
that 43% of people haven't had the manager talking to them. Maybe the outcome of, you know, a work, work, work environment is that actually everything else just becomes harder. And I think it does. If you're, if, you know, every, everything slips, you know, the amount of times going back to when I was running, you know, training in classrooms, the amount of times people don't turn up because of something urgent in work, you know, and, and firstly, that's because the learning isn't properly positioned and it isn't urgent. But also it, it's thinking about how you make learning relevant to, to people and, and make them take that time because I might be in a work, work, work culture, but actually I might be really inefficient in some of the things I'm doing and I just can't take my head above the parapet or I don't have even the time to, you know, have a buddy or, you know, you might have a buddy in induction, but do you actually have someone who comes in and goes, and we're all like that in our jobs, aren't we? We can't see the wood for the trees. You know, someone just coming in and, and helping us every so often can spur that on. But managers aren't doing that because they're too busy doing work, work, work and managing isn't really a thing and coaching and, and getting alongside. So, you know, there's a, there's a problem there in in work as well. But then there's a problem in positioning it and, and going, if we're trying to run everyone at 100% capacity, we're not going to grow, we're not going to innovate. But, you know, stripping that down, and some people do it in a very structured fashion, they'll go, okay, right, we're gonna have every Friday, you can have the afternoon to do your own personal learning. But without that being, without knowing what you're meant to do with that time, you'll just refill it with work, you know, because you don't value the learning. And, you know, I, saw, I spoke to an organization a while ago and they, They'd, they'd, they'd happened upon they didn't they didn't design it but they happened upon a solution that was really working for them so they had this mandated personal training time and they were looking at it across the organization and then they found they had the teams that were working in sprints and they were working in a collaborative way in that sort of agile sprint fashion the way they were working was throwing out learning needs every week. They were throwing out, I need to go and find more about that. I don't need enough about, know enough about that. So the way they were working was throwing out the learning needs and they were founding, found that they were using that learning time massively more effectively and for learning because they knew the way that their work was happening required that level of rethinking and re-engagement on an ongoing basis. Where they were looking at the teams that were just in a normal, way of work they were going we'll fill it with work we'll go to the golf course we'll do something you know they were not actually using it for learning because there wasn't any need or purpose and yeah you've got some self-motivated learners but for most people they just couldn't see it they couldn't see the relevance of that time to themselves and people were going through courses because it was like watching netflix you know they were filling the organization required them to do some learning so they're doing some learning but they weren't finding the impact of that so they put a structural place piece in but the rest of the structure to to drive the need wasn't there and that was the next bit they were then starting to work with their managers and people to understand how do you then identify how to spend that time well because that was a missing skill in their organization uh, i mean that 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 really does sound interesting and i can almost imagine it going you know there's a there's a gap something's happened we 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 move fast we run in sprints we've got clear stuff that we're working on there's a gap can i fill the gap with learning can i fill the gap with somebody else who has the skills so can i learn the skills or actually do we ignore the gap and will the problem just go away or will the problem is the problem here to stay and will bog us down in the future and you can in a fast sprint environment you can 
you can log that and you, you know, I don't know if there's tech that could do that, but that sounds absolutely like something that you could quickly chuck into some tech and say, while we're working, we've recognized this, this learning gap, you know, log it while we're busy getting on with something else. Because I think that's what happens with line managers in a non-sprint environment. They recognize the learning gap, the skill gap, whatever it could be. But then the next thing comes along and they've got to tackle that and they've got to tackle that. And then probably the following week or the following day or the you know later that day, they'll see the skills gap, learning gap appear again. But all of a sudden, you know, I'm out on the shop floor. I'm not in the environment to log it. I'm and and it's not it's not hugely important, but it keeps popping up and I don't have a vehicle to solve that. And, and you know, pushing that back to really rudimentary, you know, back to some of the things we've talked about in the past on analytics, you know, once a month someone's doing a report and it takes them two days to do it when actually if they did a bit of Excel training or they knew, you know, they sat with someone who who knew what they were doing to help guide them on a different way, that could maybe take two hours. But they have that two days as a deadline that's too difficult to learn that now. And then it disappears and then suddenly we're at next month again and then you're six years later and you've been wasting two days a month for six years you know there's this happens all the time in organizations where there's those micro learning opportunities that appear that we just push back because they're not urgent you know and and because i'm i'm fully worked and i'm, I'm working extra hours but i don't take that opportunity to enhance my current performance or maybe i'm just not aware there's a better way of doing it you know, there's no one saying to me, why are you taking two days to do that, put that report together? And we've all come across this when we go into organisations. You just yeah. look with fresh eyes at how they're working and go, if only someone had taken the time two years ago and you become that great saviour because you just go to you look and it, it either gets received really favourably or it get you get massive pushback because, you know, someone's, you know, you're getting their emotion back of if only I'd known that or, you know, blah, whatever it happens to be. But that happens hundreds of times in every organization every day yeah and and it's that you know there's probably people in organizations I've, I've seen some great organizations where they have i don't know they have their intranet set up or whatever they're using yammer or whatever i'm probably, probably talking about old stuff I'm, i feel old when i'm talking about stuff like the intranets um but you know this is me this is my job but this is the stuff that i'm actually expert in you know, so kind of been, a, I, you know, I used to have it all the time, which would be like, I don't know, I'm the, I look after this area of the business, but actually did you know that I can do graphic design and I'm pretty good on Excel. So if you need help on something specifically around design or something around Excel, you know, whilst that's maybe not my core day job today, I'm, I'm somebody you can actually go and have, grab a coffee with. And opening that up in an organization loads of people in organizations doing jobs that isn't their their skill set or their something they're fantastic at that they could share that information and again tech tech can take a thousand people and suddenly understand what skills have we got out there that are not necessarily that job skills yeah and, and there's absolutely you know tech that does all of those things it's just that being you know knitted together right for your organization being thought about how that's positioned and people even knowing it's there or people thinking about the way they can do it because you know again sometimes platforms capture skills for future roles but they don't do very much about current well you know that in job problem at the moment to say you know 
you're in a team did you know that nick who sits three desks down from you has actually probably got the answer to this problem you know and, and roll it back into how we're working now and you know nick isn't three desks down from you he's three counties down from you but actually in the same team you know and again it's how do we create that understanding of even being able to go look this is something you know there's awareness of i've got a problem in the first place that's 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 sometimes an issue isn't it i don't know yeah. that there's a better way and i'm not in that mindset that that's one thing to challenge but if i do know i've got a challenge how do i raise the question because i mean i may not even know what the what the right question is but i raise i've got a problem is anyone help on this area anyone come across this before you know or raise a culture where people share their best practice and people search because again if you don't get two sides of that i've seen it in organizations everyone can put their best practice out there but they haven't created a search culture because people they haven't got you know you, you need a critical mass of that being useful but they don't manage that right the way through to fruition so it becomes like i'd love a google for work and actually they get halfway to building a google google for work and give up because they don't follow that that pattern through so there's there's so much that organizations can do some do do but there's huge opportunities it's right across the piece it's almost you know you just give people explicit permission to be curious yeah be, be curious you know assume you know without it saying we need to raise the bar we need to raise the bar we need to you know that continue raise the bar is is tiresome and it smacks of companies needing to save some cash rather than develop people which will save them some cash um but be curious you know if you're doing something at some point ask yourself could this be done better and don't make it personal just because you don't have the skill doesn't mean that you can't have the skill in the future or that someone else in the organization couldn't change one thing about what you do that would make your life different better you know or, or take task away you know we, we grow task organically and I, mm -hmm. and I think that being curious about stuff is when I see that in an organization where they have lots of curious people who ask not not offensive questions but just probing questions um, and then go and find some stuff out for themselves and have the time to do that they that's where innovation happens yeah, yeah. and that innovation doesn't have to be world beating innovation it, it can just be innovation for that organization for that person this is innovative for me yeah and that's where it'll happen yeah and you know it comes back to to me always about customer outcome so you know microcosm of, of what things that have always irritated me or driven me to to make change is inefficiency and poor service or poor things happening so you know you go into an organization and you raise the challenge because something hasn't worked for you and you get the response of that's not my job or that's there and you know you see that person dealing with the same complaint 50 times a day because the process is not customer friendly and the organizations where they're empowered to fix it and the organizations where they just aren't you know or they just don't and that's not an individual level that's at an organizational level and you, you can see that when you interact with organizations and you see that this is someone who doesn't fit that organizational culture because they're normally fixing these problems down to this organization is just not where someone sees beyond their silo has a view that there might be a better is curious about different ways of doing it sees and is is wondering why am i getting three complaints on this this way, week or why is this customer not understanding this and either doesn't have the time the motivation or the empowerment or even the connection 
to be able to go back and ask that question. And that at the most basic level is where, you know, having a learning, curious or other culture helps you in, enhance what you do for your customers. And that feeds right the way through. And you use the word culture there and it's interesting actually. So one of the things um, Rob in the team um, he always talks about is culture and climate. So having a culture, an aspirational culture of your organisation, the culture of it, and then having a climate which could be localised. So the climate in a team, the climate in a in a in a in a business unit. And that can be driven by one great person, one bad person. You know, it's the climate could be one where curiosity is stifled. The culture of the organization is one where we want it. And and it, again, just circling back to the feedback stuff, this is where, you know, those huge surveys, you know, plug and play solutions, they're not really exploring that. They're not understanding where is this, where do we need to go to solve this? So if we're saying that the climate in this location is is not as great as it could be, learning and development, curiosity is stifled, go there. Don't go where it's not a problem. Don't mandate it to a whole organisation when all you need to do is solve a problem in one location. And that's that's kind of what data and employee feedback data will give you. Combine that with, um, I was just looking at exit data as well, 45% of people leave an organisation because, um, because of opportunities, growth, learning, development, frustrations around the fact that they can't progress and you know they're less than satisfied with what's happening so they go to another organization where they can and whether that's somebody's using my skills who's going to use my skills and who's going to let me have that freedom they will leave ultimately and the cost of that is 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 high so i do think it's something that organizations should be thinking about and in the mix so it's kind of like well-being is important belonging is important learning development it's all important yeah so give it give it some measure give it some weight and then go and find out what which bit do you need to do where well-being here belonging here growth learning development over here i think that's absolutely critical and I, you know i think one of the other points i've taken away from this conversation is you can't do it without actually trying and putting some effort in and it can't be that easy solution whichever one of those whichever you know whether you're in charge of recruitment or engagement or learning or any other aspect of hr or the role you've got to put that effort in not just to put the system in or just follow the crowd or whatever else you've got to understand that context the climate the culture all of those things you've talked about I've got, I've, got a, I've got a poster behind me, which is the Cognitive Bias Codex. And somewhere in that mix will be the law of diminished returns. So if you do something over and over again, over and over again, with the same outcome, eventually you'll see a diminished return, whether that is telling the same joke, the first time you get a laugh, the next time you get a titter, the next time I've, I heard you tell that joke before, you know, whilst it's a humorous joke, I'm not going to laugh. I knew what was coming and that's exactly the same with well that's the risk i think not the same because you know different environments different tech different different ways of working continual pulse surveys always on solutions no action that can respond before the next question is asked diminished returns that's 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 what we'll kick in but I think there's some really positive messages out there about taking control, taking that possibility, developing your own hybrid system. There is no one way of doing it, but, you know, 
work through, get that right partner, get that right support, and you can achieve amazing things. Yeah, 100%. Nick, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm sure we could probably go on for the rest of the day, but just to draw this to a close, we'll, we'll finish there. If people do want to connect in with you, follow you, tap into more of your knowledge or speak to you and the rest of your team, how's the best way of them doing that? Um, so you probably hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, so hit me up on MySpace, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, pop on the website, the pxhub.io. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch with the team, there's contact form on there, or just drop us an email to hello at pxhub.io. And someone would absolutely be delighted to grab a coffee, have a chat. Um, we're not a hard sales organization. We are absolutely a um, be there for people organization. So even if it's just a, I've got a problem I want to solve, you know, get in touch, we'd love it. So all of the information about Nick and his team will be in the show notes below the podcast. Nick, thank you very much for joining us today and I look forward to catching up soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can register to join the Learning Effect community. The link to do so is in the show notes below. If you've not already done so, please follow our podcast. And if the Learning Effect can help you and your organisation, please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.